morning. How is everybody this morning? Good. Did you have a good Christmas? Hey, before we get into today's message, I have to share with you this new series called The Chosen. Who's heard of it? One? One person? Okay, let me tell you about this. There is a new series called The Chosen. It's about the life of Jesus. And it is so incredibly powerful and amazing. I promise once you watch the first episode, you're going to want to watch the whole thing. All right, now VidAngel. Who's heard of VidAngel? <laughs> All right, so let me tell you about VidAngel. VidAngel is a special subscription service, kind of like Netflix, PureFlix, Google, any of those that where you can watch movies on. But here's what's cool about VidAngel. is you can watch some of your favorite movies, but you can filter out all the stuff you don't want to see. So bad language, inappropriate behavior, you can filter all that on VidAngel. Pretty cool. Now, VidAngel is the one who produced this new series called The Chosen. It's a TV series made for TV. And the pilot episode is about the birth of Jesus through the eyes of the shepherds. I'm telling you, by the end of it, you're going to be in tears. Even you dudes are going to be in tears. If you have any ounce of love for Jesus inside of you, 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 won't, you won't be able to help it. It's that good. And once you watch the pilot, you'll want to watch the other seven episodes. There's eight of them in season one. And what's so cool is you get to see some character development of those who surrounded Jesus, some of his disciples, how they became, how they were called. And what's so cool about it is when you're watching it and you're seeing Jesus speak, it's the red-letter text right out of the Bible. Okay, now I know for TV they've added some creative elements that weren't in the Bible. It's not that they're making stuff up to, to, to add something to the Bible. They're simply filling in the gaps where the Bible didn't go into that much detail but I promise you, you're going to love it. So there's your homework. Find out The Chosen. Now, there's an app that you can download. It's called The Chosen app, and you can watch all the episodes for free. So if you don't have VidAngel or you're not interested in subscribing to it, you could still watch it. At least watch the first episode, the pilot. You will love it, okay? All right, so this is the time of year that we get ready for the new year, right? Every year we celebrate the coming of the next new year. And every year, many of us make New Year's resolutions. And here were the top 10 New Year's resolutions from 2019. Do these look familiar? These are pretty typical. And if you did a study comparing the last several years, you'd find that they haven't really changed all that much. This is typically what you see year after year. Many of them have to do with our health, with money, with stopping a bad habit, starting a good habit. In fact, year after year, the cycle continues. We make New Year's resolutions. We start out with good intentions, and then we ultimately fail or we give up. And then we start the whole cycle over again the next year. Last month, I flew to Michigan. I talked to somebody before service about Michigan. It's like right here. Yes, you. I remember. I flew to Michigan because my grandfather had his 90th birthday. So it was like a family reunion. And I was talking to my aunt and uncle about this message. And they are health fanatics. They're in the gym every day. They go to Planet Fitness. They're in there every day. And they were telling me that in January, they don't like it because it just fills up. It's packed. Okay, they can't get their workout in because the gym is just packed. So all they got to do is just wait till February because when February comes around, it's all back to normal. 
Every year it's the same cycle. U.S. News reported that by the second week of February, 80%, 80% of us who make New Year's resolutions had failed or given up. In a similar article, Business Insider also said that 80% of us who make New Year's resolutions fail within 30 days. So within, whether it's 30 days, 45 days, it's a really short period of time. We have good intentions, but we've got terrible follow-through. Eating healthier, exercising more, losing weight. These all sound pretty good, right? They're not necessarily bad things. Then the question would be, then why do so many of us fail? Or why do we give up? Now, a resolution is a firm decision to do or not do something. It's a commitment. It's ultimately an act of the will based on our feelings. And here's the problem with our feelings. Our feelings are neither constant nor are they consistent. Because let's face it, when we don't feel like it, we don't do it, do we? So when we make a resolution, the minute we don't feel like it, that's what happens. We don't do it. So our commitment often fails because our feelings can't overpower what I like to call the three terrible C's. Convenience, comfort, and complacency. Convenience, comfort, and complacency. Sadly, this is why so many of us have the same resolutions year after year. So what if we flip the script this year? What if instead of making New Year's resolutions, we have a New Year revolution? That's the title of today's message, New Year's Revolution. So Webster defines a revolution as a sudden, radical, or complete change. It also says it's a fundamental change in the way of thinking about or visualizing something. It's a change of paradigm. So that's what we need. We need a complete, radical, and sudden change. We don't need more New Year's resolutions. We've got to break out of that endless and often fruitless cycle. We don't have a very good success rate of following through on them anyway. And more importantly, they tend to be self-centered instead of God-centered. So why don't we stop focusing on ourselves and start focusing on our relationship with God? What do I mean by that? Look at the world today. We live in a culture that embraces the worship of self. It embraces the worship of being free to do whatever we want. Promotes right as wrong and wrong as right. It's a culture of me first. Sin isn't really sin, and either there is no God Or God is an infinite sugar daddy genie who just wants to give us everything we want and make us happy. We've got to rise up against this culture and the evil that leads it. We need to declare war and take back the ground that belongs to us as children of God. Now, I'm not talking about physical violence. Our battle, as Ephesians 6 so clearly states, is not against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. In other words, it's spiritual warfare. If you've accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, then you are a child of God. And as a child of God, you have the power of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you to declare war on the evil that is trying to beat you down. Resolutions are often done in our own strength. Revolution is something that we need to do in God's strength. 
what we need is to have a sudden, complete, and radical change in our lives. What we need is to start living our lives for the very purpose of why we were created. We need a revolution. One of the most pressing questions of our day is this. Why am I here? Now, this question can take many forms. What's my purpose? What am I supposed to do? You can ask it any number of ways, but no matter how you ask the question, the answer is always the same. And here it is. It comes from Isaiah 43, 7. Bring all who claim me as their God, for I have made them for my glory. It was I who created them. God created us so that we would glorify him. Our chief purpose in life is to bring him glory. That's why we were created. And this applies to everyone. No matter who you are, it applies to everyone. We can see this in Isaiah 42, 12. Let the whole world glorify the Lord. Let it sing his praise. The call to glorify God is a call to the whole world. When you and I are not glorifying God, we are not fulfilling our purpose. We are not living out our life mission. And glorifying God is not just something that we do on Sunday. It's not something that we do when we feel like it. It's the very reason that you and I were created. Glorifying God is something that we must do 24-7 in everything. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says this, Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. This means in whatever we do, in whatever we think, in whatever we watch, in whatever we say, in whatever we eat, in everything, we are to bring glory to God. So how can I bring glory to God? How can we actually follow through on this? First, let me explain what bringing glory to God is not. It's not sin. Sin is the exact opposite of bringing glory to God. When we sin, we're doing the exact opposite of what we were created for. The word sin comes from the Greek word harmatia, which is an archery term, and it means to miss the mark. It's like shooting an arrow at a target. And when we miss the bullseye, that's sin. So to understand how we miss the target, we first got to understand, what are we aiming at? What's the bullseye that we should be aiming at? Can everybody see this? What's the bullseye that we should be aiming at? Glory to God, right? That is what we should be aiming at right there. Glory to God. That's our target. Okay? I'm going to keep that there because I'm going to need it. So, the bullseye that we should be aiming at is what we were created to do. Living a life that honors God and brings Him glory. We miss the mark because we fail to follow what God commands. And listen, God's commands are not burdensome. They're not simply a list of do's and don'ts. God's commands are actually an expression of who he is. When God says that we should not murder, it's because he is just. When he commands us not to commit adultery, it's because he is faithful. When he commands us not to steal, it's because he is is honest. When he commands us to stay away from immorality, it's because he is holy. When he commands us to love him above everything and everyone and to love others as ourselves, it's because he is love. 
All of his commands are an extension of his character. So when we sin, it's like we're concealing who he is. It's like we're hiding him. In other words, what we're doing is we're casting a shadow on his glory when we sin. When we sin, we're missing the mark. Amartya, we're missing the mark. Today I want to share with you how we can glorify God and fulfill our life mission. I want to share with you how we can break free from the world, how we can break free from the never-ending cycle of New Year's resolutions and experience real freedom. I want to share with you how we can have our very own revolution. Now listen, there are tons of ways that we can bring glory to God. I can't possibly cover all of them in today's message. However, today I'm going to share three very practical and fundamental actions that we must take if we're going to hit the mark by glorifying God. I believe that everything that brings God glory is rooted in these three actions that I'm going to share with you. They are the foundation. They are the essentials. They're the fundamentals. If we are to have real, genuine faith, it must be rooted in these three actions. Now, if you lean in today, and you listen to the Holy Spirit speak to you through this message, then you can have a revolution that will absolutely change your life. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd give us ears to hear. I invite you here, Lord. We invite your presence. Speak to us in Jesus' mighty name. If we are to bring glory to God, we have to know him. We have to know Jesus. And once we get to know him, You can't help but love him. And once you love him, you will serve him. Those are the three actions right there. Now, I know you might be sitting there going, well, that's nothing new. That's not some earth-shattering revelation. What's the big deal? Now, for some of you, that might be true. But I believe if each of us made an honest assessment of our actions that we take on a daily basis, I bet most of us fall incredibly short on bringing God glory. That's why we need a revolution. We need a sudden, radical, and complete change. So let me start with the first of these three essential actions that we must take. Number one is to know him. We've got to know him. So many people in this world claim to know Jesus. But there is a big difference between knowing about Jesus and actually knowing Jesus. Knowing Jesus means we have a relationship with him. In Genesis 4.1, it reads that Adam knew his wife. The word knew comes from the Hebrew word yada, which is used to express an intimate relationship between a husband and a wife. In the New Testament, the Greek word for know is gnosko, which like its Hebrew counterpart, also means an intimate physical relationship between a husband and a wife. So when we talk about knowing Jesus, we're not talking about knowing all kinds of facts about Jesus or just having some intellectual knowledge about him or even hearing what other people say about Jesus. To truly know him is to have a very deep, personal, intimate relationship with him. If all you do is show up for church on Sunday or perhaps only on certain Sundays or special occasions, then you really don't know him. If you don't spend time talking to him in prayer on a consistent basis, then you really don't know him. If you don't spend time reading his word regularly, then you really don't know him. 
And here's a very disturbing infographic. Now, this graphic here represents those who attend church and those who affiliate themselves with the Christian faith. Of this population, 40%, over 40% of them, either do not read their Bible or are extremely inconsistent and infrequent in how often they read the Bible. Only one-third of this group actually reads their Bible every day. You cannot know Jesus without knowing His Word. He is the Word. I'm going to read from you from the book of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. You mind if I go old school? I'm going to read from my Bible. I'm not going to have it up on the screen. I just thought I'd mix it up a little bit. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. He is the Word. All of Scripture points to Him. According to Ed Stetzer of Pastors.com, we have an epidemic of Bible illiteracy in our churches. In our churches! You would expect this to be true if you're talking about the world, but this is about in our churches. That means that we have many people in our churches that don't know Jesus. They know about Him, but they really don't know Him. Lifeway Research and the United Kingdom Bible Society released a survey on biblical literacy. And I'm going to share some of the results with you because it's shocking, it's disturbing, and it's very sad. Only 45% of regular church attenders read their Bible more than once a week. Almost one in five churchgoers say they never read the Bible at all. More than half of evangelicals believe that the Holy Spirit is a force and not a personal being. In the United Kingdom, almost one in three couldn't identify the nativity as part of the Bible. And 27% of British parents think Superman is or might be a biblical story. That's crazy. If we are not in his word on a consistent basis, then we really don't know him. Reading and studying his word is the main way we truly get to know him. And that's what God desires from us. You can see this in the book of Hosea. Hosea was a prophet. And this is God speaking through the prophet Hosea. He says this in chapter 4, verse 6. My people are being destroyed because they don't know me. Let that one sink in for just a minute. My people are being destroyed because they don't know me. Then he says in chapter 6, verse 3, Oh, that we might know the Lord. Let us press on to know him. And then in chapter 6, verse 6, I want you to know me. This is God saying that. I want you to know me. Why is this so important? I think it's important because God didn't just send his son to this earth to save us from death. Okay, He didn't just send his son to save us from death. Now that's where sin ultimately leads. We know that from Romans 6.23, right? For the wages of sin is death. So yes, Jesus came. He died in our place, paying the sin debt that you and I could never repay. That is true. However, 
there is so much more to the good news than just saving us from death. God sent his son, Jesus, to restore our relationship with him. Why? Because sin separates. God is a holy God. And when we sin, that separates us. That's why Jesus had to come, right, and die for our sins so that he could restore that relationship. We can see this in John chapter 3, verse 16. It's one of the most famously quoted Bible verses there is. Listen to this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Unfortunately, this is where many churches stop when talking about the message of salvation. It's as if they put a period right after the word perish. But listen, let's finish the sentence. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, comma, but have everlasting life. Now that's awesome right there. Everlasting life isn't something that starts when we die. That's something that you and I can have right now. How do I know that? Let's look at John 17, verse 3. This gets so good. I was told before service that I needed to stay within certain boundaries, so I put this here on purpose to help me because I get so excited. Look at this. This is Jesus speaking. John 17, 3. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. You want to know how to have eternal life? Know him. Know him. To know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ. That means to have everlasting life is to have a close, personal, and intimate relationship with Jesus right now. That's why God sent his son, was to restore our relationship with him. So many people think they know Jesus Unfortunately, many in the last day will be shocked to find out that they, they only knew about Jesus. They didn't really know him. Don't take my word for it. Let's look at G- what Jesus says. This is in Matthew chapter 7. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. I never knew you. See, there's the Greek word gnosko again. In other words, Jesus is saying, I never had a deep, close, personal, intimate relationship with you. That should make all of us want to have a revolution right now. You want to fulfill the purpose for which you were created in bringing God glory? Then get to know Him. Know Jesus. Don't settle for just knowing about Him. Really get to know Him. Ask him to come into your life and have a deep, meaningful, and intimate relationship with you. And that brings me to the second action that we must take to bring God glory. When we truly love him, excuse me, I did this last service. I get so excited, I gave the punchline before I even got there. (laughs) When we truly know him, you can't help but love him. You can't help it. Number two is to love him. As we get to know him and our relationship gets stronger, gets deeper and wider, our love for him will do the same. Now, the kind of love we're talking about here, it's not based on our feelings because we know feelings change, don't they? Our feelings are up, our feelings are down. They're all over the place. No, love is a deliberate choice. It's not based on our emotions. It's based on our will. To love him, we first have to receive him as Lord and Savior. And we cannot do this without the help of the Holy Spirit. Because our hearts are hardened by sin. 
To receive him, we first have to believe who he is. Jesus is the son of God. And he came, lived here on this earth as a man, and he died on the cross for the sins of you and I. And on the third day, he came back to life. We receive him by believing in who he is and trusting in what he's done for us. To love him is to treasure him above everything and everyone. To love him is to value him above everyone and anything. To love him is to appreciate him and recognize how much we need him. To love him is to make the ultimate commitment to him. Jesus said in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our mind, and all our soul. In other words, we are to be all in. And when we love Jesus like that, we bring him glory. Now, some of you know that I grew up without my father. He and my mom divorced when I was just a year old. And uh, we didn't have much of a relationship until about four or five years ago. I didn't know him. And he didn't know me. But he's a changed man today. He came to know and love Jesus with all his heart. And it's this love that makes all the difference. Today you could put us in a room together and we could talk for hours as if time had never passed. Fathers, sons, Mothers or daughters who may have a similar story where you grew up apart from one another, I'm here today to tell you that with Jesus, there is always hope. So don't ever give up on one another. My dad surprised me this year with an amazing Christmas gift because now he knows me. He bought me the complete sermon volume set of Charles Spurgeon. For those of you who don't know who Charles Spurgeon is, he's considered the Prince of Preachers. He was an amazingly gifted and powerful communicator of God's word. He gave a message on on September 30th, 1860, and it was titled Love to Jesus. I'm going to share just a brief part of this message. Listen to these words. Can I look into your eyes and not be smitten with your love? Can I gaze upon your thorn-crowned head and shall not my heart feel the thorn within it? Can I see you in the fever of death And shall not my soul be in a fever of passionate love to you? It is impossible to see Christ and not to love him. You cannot be in his company without at once feeling that you are wedded to him. Go and kneel by his side in Gethsemane's garden, and I am persuaded that the drops of gore as they fall upon the ground shall each one of them be irresistible reasons why you should love him. Hear him as he cries, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Remember that he endures this out of love to you, and you must love him. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that amazing? Jesus gave his life for you. That's how much he loves you. Without him, we are lost. Without him, there is no hope. Without him, we are dead in our sins. We love him because he loved us first. When you know him, You will love him. And you love him because he's irresistible. And when we truly love him, we will serve him. That's number three. Serve him. We are so good at serving ourselves, serving our agendas, serving our desires, serving our priorities. 
But Jesus said very clearly in Luke 9.23 that if we want to follow him, then we must deny ourselves and take up our cross daily. That's a decision that we've got to make every single day. We have to die to ourselves and live for him. We have to turn from our selfish ways and turn to him. That means our agendas, our desires, and our priorities must be submitted to him first. We cannot be his followers and serve ourselves at the same time. That's not possible. Our self and our service to God are in direct conflict with one another. It's why Jesus said we have to make a conscious decision every day to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. He is our Lord and our Master, and there can be no other. It is he whom we serve. God has uniquely gifted each one of us to serve him and to serve others. If we are a child of God, then we have a spiritual gift. And this gift is not given so that we can serve ourselves, so that we can make countless New Year's resolutions that often focus on ourselves. These gifts are given so that we'll serve one another. Because when we serve one another, we serve him. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uses a description of the human body to illustrate our relationship to Jesus. We, as his followers, are all members and parts of his body, and he is the head of this body. So read this with me as I read it. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, that that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts. And God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. We are the body of Christ. And that means that we all have a unique function within his body. Now, I'm going to illustrate this this point just a bit further. Because some of you know that my wife and I are planning to start an archery ministry here at the church uh, this spring. And I can't wait to tell you more about it in the coming weeks. But for now, I'm just going to focus on on my bow here. Okay? How many of you knew you were going to get a bow lesson today when you came to church? (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to use this right here to illustrate what we just read. You see, this bow is made up of many parts, right? Each of these parts work together for a unique function. What's the purpose of this bow? The purpose of this bow is to shoot an arrow at what you're aiming at. That's the purpose of this bow. So there are many parts here. There's a string. There's limbs. There's cams. I've got a sight right here. I could go on. Every part of this bow has a unique function. So the string can't say to the sight, I don't need you, because if I didn't have a sight, 
I wouldn't be able to aim this bow. The cams couldn't say to the limbs, I don't need you, because if I didn't have these limbs, I could never pull the bow back, which means I could never shoot my arrow, which means I would never be able to fulfill the purpose for which this thing was created. And I might look at this and go, wow, there's a really small screw right here. I'm wondering what that's for. Why does that screw even matter? Because there's another screw over here just like it. And there's a couple more down here. There's all kinds of little screws. So that screw might be looking at it and saying, you know, I'm not needed. There's plenty of other screws there. But the screw can't say to the other screws, I don't need you and you don't need me, can they? That seemingly insignificant little screw is put there for a purpose. The designer put it there on purpose because if it were not there, it wouldn't fulfill its function, which means the rest of the parts wouldn't be able to fulfill their function either. The same is true for you in the body of Christ. You each have a unique function within the church. Now, what, what are we supposed to be aiming at in life? Who remembers? The glory to God. This is our target. This is what we're shooting at. That's what we should be aiming at. Some of you, when it comes to serving, think, what do I have to offer? How could I possibly help? Listen, you are gifted, you are called, and you are wanted. God has a unique place and function just for you. We all have a part in his body. Every one of us, there are no seemingly insignificant parts, okay, when it comes to God's people. We all make up his body. How are you serving him today? Our place in his body requires us to serve him. He's the head of the body and to serve each other. So there are many opportunities for us to serve him right here at Crosspoint. We need you. Don't think for a moment that we don't, need you, that you're not needed. It's easy to look around and think, well, the church has everything covered. I'm not needed. Listen, Satan wants you to think that. He wants you to think that you're not needed. He wants you to be ineffective and disconnected. And he will do everything he can to distract, to discourage, and to disengage you from serving Jesus and serving others. I encourage you. I challenge you, get involved. We have plenty of areas in this church that need your help. Now, I'm going to highlight just a few of those areas, but before I do, let me ask you this question. What if you had a New Year's resolution, or excuse me, you had a New Year's revolution in 2020 where you had a radical change in how you viewed your part in God's body, and you just stepped out there in faith to serve? What if you made 2020 the year that you get involved, that you become invested in God's body? Our greeter ministry needs you. One of the things we hear often is how welcoming our church is. That starts with those who make it a priority to be here, to meet and greet those who come in through the front door. This is a vitally important part of the DNA of this church. We need people who love to engage others, who love to smile, right? Who love to love on other people. That could be you. Our usher ministry needs you. We need people to help direct visitors to their seat, to take up tithes and offerings, to help with the parking lot, and to help facilitate each service. Our tech team needs you. If you're tech savvy and you like, you know, tech stuff, 
audio, visual, lighting, all that stuff. We need you. Sign up today. Get on the rotation. Help us out. You know, there are all kinds of special events that we put on here at the church, and every one of them requires volunteers to be successful. So there's always an opportunity to serve. That could be you. Now, let me touch on a vitally important part uh, of our church, our children. Our children's ministry needs you. Our children are our future. We need people to set up. We need people to help check in the kids, to be greeters out there, specifically for kid men. We need people to teach our children. Just as you come here to be spiritually fed, our children should be spiritually fed as well. So we need teachers. We need assistants, right? We need uh, helpers to help make the children's services a success. This is one of those areas that often goes unnoticed and is often underappreciated. May it be today that somebody steps forward to help out in that critical area of our church. When the body is functioning the way God designed, it's a beautiful thing. It really is. Imagine if we had plenty of volunteers serving in all those areas and more. Imagine if we had a rotation going in each one of those ministry areas so that the staff and others who volunteer don't get burnt out. Because if we're sharing the load, it makes it much, much easier, doesn't it? How many of you came to the Christmas dinner and ugly sweater party? All right, good many of you. You know what was cool about that event? is at the end of the night, when it was time to break everything down and get the church back to normal, it was so awesome to look around and to see everybody working together efficiently, effectively, and within no time, the church was back together like it was supposed to be. We didn't have to run around asking people to do anything. It just happened. People just stepped up and made it happen and just picked up trash, set the chairs up, whatever it was. People all worked together. It's a beautiful thing to see God's people working together so efficiently. You know, that can happen every single week. In every single service, in every function here in the church, that can happen. Imagine how much more effective His church would be if we all did our part in serving Him the way He designed it to be. I'm going to leave you with one last scripture. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You are the most like Jesus when you serve others. And we are to be good stewards of what he's given us. Are you serving him today? Are you serving him today? Look at verse 11. Do you serve him out of your own strength? Do you? I love participation. Do you serve him out of your own strength? No, we don't, right? We serve out of his strength. That's the key. Because our strength is going to fail. His won't. We serve out of His strength. We'd never make it if we try to do it on our own strength. And why do we serve? Look at the end of verse 11. 
Why do we serve? We do it so that he may be glorified through Jesus Christ. That's why we serve. It's not for our glory. It's not for that pat on the back. It's for his glory. That's why we serve. This world needs a revolution. We need a radical, sudden, and complete change. We need to glorify God in everything we do. And that starts with knowing him, having a deep, personal, and intimate relationship with him. Why not have a revolution in 2020 and get to know him? We get to know him by spending time with him. Get into his word. Read it. Study it. Talk about it. Live it. You know, we have the 2020 Bible reading challenge available to you. You can pick one up right outside on the information desk. There's these handouts for you. Hey, these are free, by the way. These are free. I'm telling you. And it's a really good plan. Sorry, I'm almost past my limit there. It's a really good plan because you get a healthy dose of the Bible both Old Testament, New Testament, every single day. There's 25 days in each month, so you got a five-day buffer in case you get a behind every month. you got a five-day buffer to get ahead. Love this plan. I've done it multiple times. I'm doing it again this year. If you need help, you need a plan, pick one up on your way out. Got a bonus for you too in there. There's a Bible memory challenge. Get you to hide his word in your heart by memorizing scripture. There's some of that in here. Help you memorize the books of the Bible, all 66 books in little bite-sized chunks. You know how it is when you're sitting in here and you say, turn to Hosea, and you're like, oh man, where's Hosea at? Study, and you'll know where it is. Even I struggle with that sometimes because it's, it's not like we're in there every single day reading Hosea or some of those obscure books that we don't hear much about. But that Bible reading challenge will help you. Take advantage of that. And so once you begin to truly know him, you will love him. You can't help but love him. And loving him also means that you love his people. Why not have a revolution in 2020 and begin to really love him and his people? And one way you can do that is to join a life group. We have several life groups here available to you at Crosspoint. And they are continuing to grow as our church grows. And listen, life groups is an opportunity for you to connect with other people and to go deeper into God's word. Our life groups cover all kinds of topics. We have all kinds of uh, renowned senior pastors and biblical scholars bringing healthy content that you can take advantage of. I challenge you to get connected, to go deeper in your faith. You know, even Jesus had a life group. He had 12 disciples that he poured his life into, right? He had a life group. That's who he spent the most time with. Don't buy into the lie that you don't need others. God didn't design us that way. He uniquely placed in our DNA the need for relationships. And that begins with him first and others second. And when you seek these kinds of relationships, you will find that your love for him will grow. And when you truly love him, you will serve him. Why not have a revolution in 2020 and begin to serve him with your whole heart? Be all in and step up and serve. Find somewhere here at Cross Point to get on the team and be part of it and help out because you are part of the body of Christ. So when you know him, you will love him. And when you love him, you're going to serve him. And then you'll, you'll fulfill the very reason that you were created, which is to bring him glory. That's our aim. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this message.
We thank you, Jesus, that it is you who we serve. And our mission in life is to bring you glory in everything we do. So I ask today, if there's anyone here that the Holy Spirit spoke to you personally and there's something you need to do now, I want to see your hand. There's something you need to do in 2020, whether it's loving him more, whether it's serving him more, whether it's getting to know him. That's you. Slip up your hand so I can know. Good. Hands going up all over. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Father, I pray that from this day forward, those who slipped up their hands, and maybe those are at their seat that didn't, but know that there's something that they need to do. There's an action step that they need to take going forward. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd give them the power, that you'd give them the will to make that choice and to stay committed and to get to know you fully. And maybe you're here today. Others of you are here today and you recognize there's something missing in your life. Maybe you've known about Jesus, but you don't really know him and you want to know him today. If that's you and you want to make that decision, slip up your hand and I will pray for you. Sweet. We got a couple hands, four or five hands. Praise God. Pray this with me. Father, I know that I am a sinner and I know that you died for me. And on the third day, you rose again, and I want to live for you from this day forward. I no longer want to just know about you. I want to know you completely. So I give you my life today, and I will serve you every day from this day forward because now you are my Lord and Savior, and I profess that today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Please.